good evening. This lecture is for Fuat Shlema from Shirel, Bat Rachel, and El Natan, Ben Rachel. Fuat Shlema, Bezrat Hashem. Also, Leavdi, Leilui Nishmat, Zehava, Golda, Bat Shoshana, Nisanian. She passed away a week ago. And uh, after uh, three years of suffering, which, you know, pure, purified the soul before a person goes to the next world, through suffering like this, it comes crystal clean, ready for their place in heaven, Bezrat Hashem. Also, Leilui Nishmat Sophia Sonia Batsara, also Lerefuat Emma Badevora Isakov, Lerefuat Teila Adasa Batilana, Young girl in coma, induced coma, corona, corona viser. Teila Adasa Batilana, yeah. And also Lerfuat Rosa Bat Buba and Doron Ben Simcha. And Lerfuat Uriel Ben Yocheved of Arnasatova. It's hard, very hard all day to hear people dying and people are sick and people are being wiped out financially for about a year, non-stop. You don't get used to it. At least I don't get used to it. Some people, maybe after they hear it thousands of times, maybe they get used to it. I don't know, it's hard to get used to see how life of people get destroyed a few times every day to hear about it, it's not easy. We live in a world that there are two kinds of things in it. What is it? There are things that have value in the eyes of people, but they have zero value in the eyes of God. And there are things that have very high value in the eyes of God, but not that much of a value in the eyes of a people. I'll give you an example. If you take a, a picture of one of the biggest, most important tzaddikim rabbis in the whole world, the stipler, Rav Ovad Yosef, Rav Eliashiv, Rav Shteleman, many others. You go to Sotheby's and you say, I want to sell it in the auction. They laugh at you hysterically. <laughs> what? What's this? Okay, let's give you a penny. You got it? Meaning get out of our face, right? Then you take a picture of a basketball player. Some say a rapist. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe not. Forget about that. Let's say not a rapist. About a good basketball player. One of the best. He dies in a helicopter crash. He has a baseball card with his picture holding a basketball was sold a few days ago 1.8 million dollars I would not use it as a toilet paper if I had to but there are many stupid people in this world that are willing to pay 1.8 million dollars on a picture of a basketball player and you know what even a nice basketball player not a rapist a good family man, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, an angel. 
What value does it have? In the eyes of God, toilet paper has a higher value than that. At least it's worth a dollar. This car doesn't belong, doesn't, does not worth a dollar in the eyes of God. Not even a dollar. In the eyes of stupid people, it's worth $1.8 million and probably will be worth $10 million in the next few years. A price of a mansion in Malibu. A piece of, of card with a picture of some basketball player. I just show you that we live in a world that most of the people are extremely, extremely stupid. But stupid people take something that is nothing and for whatever reason, because of the craziness, they decide to give it a value. It's all fake. Everybody knows it's fake. But everybody goes alone with this scam. I'll give you another example. Ketchup on canvas. Somebody took canvas to ketchup. Ketchup went like this. Made a circle on it. You should see it. If you see it in the garbage, you would not pick it up, I promise you. Was sold for $46 million. Somebody made a statue look exactly like this tripod. I'm, uh, this tripod reminds me of that statue. Two, three very thin legs, all kinds of pieces of ceramic attached to it, very strange face, look like E.T. Remember the movie E.T. 40 years ago? When I was a kid, E.T. If you see this garbage in the garage on the driveway of someone in a, by the garbage cans, you would not pick it up. Ten years ago, it was sold for $105 million. Why? People fight who is going to be the main fool on earth. That's really what it is in the eyes of God. Don't say you said. I'm telling you now what's the, the opinion of the creator of the world about our stupidity. You give him a picture of the most righteous person in the world that all his life control his evil inclination, never stole, never said bad word, watched his eyes, never ate something that is not 100% kosher. Everything in his life is in control, taught Torah to millions of people, saved millions of souls, saved thousands of families, saved thousands of kids from going off. Penny. Some criminal that knows how to play basketball, $1.8 million. You understand why the Gemara called this world the world of lies and illusion? Alma de Shikra. Alma de Shikra. I'll give you another example. You take cocaine powder. I don't know how much it costs. Probably two or $300. There are people who spend hundreds of dollars a day on it. It destroys their life. You put it... $300. Take sugar. You know the sugar that we put on the donuts? The value of a sugar and a cocaine, they're both natural things. Should not cost more than that. That's cost a penny. That's cost $300. Why? It has demand. It's hard to get. People give it a value. Somebody decide that a few drops of it cost $300 or two, whatever it is. Little grass. Take it from a plant. What is it worth? Nothing. Buy parsley, huge bag like this, dollar. Grass, thousand dollars. Why? People have bad habits. 
They can't control their life. They have to be dominated by someone or something. And I give it a value. Again, world of life. I had a guest by my house for Shabbat. Beard like this. All the way to his stomach, which he doesn't have. doesn't have a belly. Skinny guy. And uh, he asked me in Saudash Lishit, what time Shabbat is going out? By us, Shabbat is going out 72 minutes after sunset. Rabbeinu Tam. In America, you must keep Rabbeinu Tam. Anything less than that, you're risking yourself for being Mechalel Shabbat. In Israel, different story. After half an hour, it's already dark. Here, especially in the summer, 60 minutes after sunset, it's still blue sky. Blue sky. You can still see it's a day. Some people wait only 45 minutes. They start breaking Shabbat, and they are mamash risking everything. So, somebody decides to give it a value. According to Hashem, it has no value at all. But somebody decided that that's the value of it. When I was a child, there used to be a story. Big day, Amelech Achadashim. The new, the new outfit of the king. One time there was a king, and he went to all the best tailors in the world, in a, in a country. I have a parade. I have to walk in front of the whole nation. They will stand by the sides of the road. The one that will make, you, make me the most special outfit will get a huge prize. Everyone made an unbelievable outfit. One tailor came and he said to the king, Your Majesty, what do you think about that? The king looks, what, what do I think about what? I made a special outfit that only smart people are able to see it. Anyone that is not smart cannot see. But look how beautiful. Now the king has to get along with the, with the plan. What is he going to say? I'm stupid. I don't see anything. What do you see? My, my treasury? Wow, your majesty, it's unbelievable outfit. What do you think, uh, my assistant? Ah, oh, wow. I never saw in my life such thing. Everybody comes. No, no. Wow, wow. This tailor deserves a Nobel Prize. So, okay, you were chosen. Put it on me. Make sure it fit my big belly. <laughs> Make sure. Don't worry. He takes the meter. He measures. Let me see over here. Okay, we're going to make it a little bit shorter here. No problem. It will be ready two days from now. Great. Just for the parade. And they already made an announcement in town, courtesy of the tailor, that... On Sunday, the king will march with a new outfit that never ever seen before. But only smart people are able to see how wonderful it is. Stupid people will not be able to see. Come Sunday, the kings walk out. Tam, tam, ta, ta, everybody clapping. Wow, marvelous, beautiful. King, it's the best outfit you ever got over the years. Then one little kid say, Mommy, why the king is naked? 
There was big silence. Everybody looked at each other. Yeah, the king is naked. Yeah, the king is naked. Thousands of people started to laugh, falling on the floor. The king is naked. That's the world we live in. This was the mashal, the parable. Ma'anim shal. One person made up a crazy idea, everybody copy. How many people stop to think? Barely anyone. Nobody thinks. It is what it is, that's it. Why this watch costs so much money? It has a name. It has a name. You make a PR, you take some, I don't know, rap singer, boom, pa, pa, boom, pa, pa, boom, jump like a monkey, ho, ha, ha, ha. Finish. Worth millions of dollars. Why? This guy, uh, you know, is very famous, jumping on a screen, making flip-flop, singing, has good voice. How much the watch worth? $30,000. How much it's really worth? $25 in China. That's the, the world we live in. We live in such a world that hardly ever you see the real truth and the real value of Hashem. Most people never get to see it. So we got the idea. The idea is Rabotai. People take something and they decide to give it a value. The question is, because people decided that it's precious, does it make it precious in the eyes of Hashem? I have to surrender to your stupidity? Just because you think it's something precious? Absolutely not. I wonder to myself, many, many years I'm thinking about it, on and off, sport took over the world. Took over the world. Almost everybody's in it. Lawyers, doctors, judges, politicians, Bibi Netanyahu, I love soccer. Everybody likes it. Presidents, they go to games, they make them sit in the first row, in a VIP room. People are addicted to it. You know what happens here when once a year you have, uh, what do you call it, the football game? Super Bowl. Almost uh, nobody on the road at that time. Why? People are addicted to it. Now two teams fight with each other. Kick each other, kick the ball, throw the ball, push each other, punch each other. And one guy scored a basket, the other one didn't. One guy scored a goal, the other one missed a goal. One basket, one ball were bouncing on a ring. One, two, up, fell out. Oh, one, two, up, one, one millimeter to the left, it goes in. One millimeter to the right, it goes out. The difference between in and out is $150 million to the owner of the team. If they win the championship, first they get a huge reward, much more advertisement, everybody runs after the team, they want to sponsor them. So the one millimeter, it went right or left, was this Hashem inter intervene with that? Or is the laws of nature? You threw the ball, and 
the way you throw it, it's going to go to whenever you throw it. Is it the hand of Hashem? Will Hashem give it a push in? Or will he give it a push out? Are we bothering Hashem because of our stupidity? Because we constantly want to play ball? So he has to come to every game and move the ball if it's going to go in and out? Or it's, he leaves it to the laws of nature? And it's basically all random. What do you think? Did you ever think about it? Nothing in the world can happen without the hand of Hashem. Every move you make, every step you take, every time you move your hands, your muscles work, everything, your heart, this is all supervised by Hashem. Hashem can, can take away your hair and can move. All of a sudden, you have a sharp pain in your knee, you fall down. We had a, game, a player, young player in Israel, 25 years old, in the middle of a soccer game, in Shabbat, in a professional league. All of a sudden, it was a horrible, horrible experience. He was running, all of a sudden he fell. Nobody knew what happened. Then they found out he swallowed his tongue. And he choked, and he became paralyzed for the rest of his life, 25 years old, brain damage. So the question now that we have is, do you think it's Hashem's decision who's going to win the championship? Or he does not push his notes to this garbage nonsense? Because it's pure waste of time, it's against the Torah. He can't stand this stupidity. People scream like crazy, jumping like monkeys on the fences. You saw the monkeys in the safari when you come with the bananas and the peanuts, how they jump on it. They go crazy. Ah, they push each other. So the same thing the fans in Israel. You look at them, Jew, another Jew, another Jew. Some of them even have small yamaka, like monkeys, jumping on it, on the fence. Screaming, Maccabi, Maccabi, like, like they won the, the lottery or something. And if the team lose, oh, they cry, they curse, they throw things on the head of the referee. They made a joke in Israel. They throw on the referees tomatoes, oranges. He said, next week can you bring some cucumbers? <laughs> Change the menu. They cursed his mother. Imagine this, being a referee. You try to be a fair referee in a sport game. 20,000 fans, all of them decided to curse your mother. This is how low we can be when we become so secular with no fear from God. 20,000 secular mechalelei Shabbat in a stadium in front of their own children. Father in front of his son. His son is 10, 11, 12. He cares. Ashofet ta ta ta, cursing his mother. That she is uh, with the oldest profession in the world, if you know what I mean. 20,000 people. Imagine the embarrassment that his mother now sits at home and watch the game. Our son is trying to blow the whistle. And 20,000 crazy Israelis scream and curse her. Why? Because the ref did not give them what they wanted, a free kick or something. You understand the world we live in? In America, probably the same thing. Probably the fans also cares. Monkeys. Man behave like mon monkeys behave like that. You know the monkey, how he pull your, your yamaka? You know, the, you saw the clip with the tiger? The monkey goes from the tree, punch the tiger on his head. The tiger try to grab him. He goes up, laughing his face, 
Again, hit him on the head. 20 times. Every time he hit him, he tried to look up, try to catch him. The monkey plays with him. Of course, he's a hero. He jumped quickly upstairs before he realized this is how the fans behave. Same story. If you look at them from the side, they take off their shirts, stand like this, like baboons, eating seeds, throw the spills on the floor, and the entire 90 minutes, curses, screaming, fighting, fist fight. This is it. These are the chosen people. Light to the Gentiles. 20,000 Mechalelei Shabbat, no fear from God, never read the Torah once in their life, reached a level of monkeys in the zoo. That's the sad truth. I say it with a lot of pain. Uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was one of them. What did we know? We went to the stadium to watch sport. I wasn't cursing, but I was crying when my team was losing. Why? I was very stupid, just like all my friends. <laughs> That's what the parents teach you. Your parents are fans of sport. You become fans. Your children will be fans, and that's it. There's nothing else in life. Very sad, Rabotai. In this parasha, we read the biggest scene in the Jewish history of the Jewish nation. A scene that every day of our life today, after 3,300 years, every day, we still suffer to pay to pay for that moment until Mashiach will come, we will continue to suffer every day, every generation, until the end of days. To make it up for the biggest crime we ever made against God. After receiving the Torah, after hearing the voice of God in Mount Sinai, millions of us heard it. The entire Jewish nation never happened by the Goim such a thing. The millions of people heard the voice of God speaking to Moshe and they witnessed that. Nobody come and tell your story. Oh, I had a dream. God came to me in a dream. Get out of here, you and your dreams. Oh, um, God came to me in a dream and made me pregnant. Oh, I was in the desert and I saw the light. And the angel gave me the Quran. None of this nonsense. That's a joke. Smart person, after he read those fake religions, in five minutes he throw them right away to the garbage. Does not waste a minute on it. Just today I saw in, a, in the last lecture a comment, you can see on YouTube, one Christian wrote, thank you for opening my eyes to see the nonsense of my religion. How can I convert? A few lectures, he got the point. That's all you have to do to bring it to the attention of a human being. If his brain still works. We are different than the Goim, Rabotai. 80,000 fake religions and cults, it's all a story of one individual. We, the Jews, are completely different than them. And they all know it. They all know it. That's why Christians and Muslims never dare to deny that the Torah was given to the Jews in Mount Sinai. It would be a lot easier for them to fight Judaism. Just say it never happened. Nobody can come to them and say the Twin Towers never fell. It was all fake. As millions of witnesses saw it live. You cannot now go back in time and delete it from history. It cannot be. Even though you'd be surprised, there are many people in the world today that are trying to deny the Holocaust. 
There's thousands of thousands of people online. I said, there's no such thing. It's a lie. The Jews made it up. It's Hollywood. It's films. Ah, there's millions of people with numbers and tell stories with tears everywhere you go all over the world. Ah, they don't care. They know, they know they lie. But that's okay. Let's start a scam. After a few generations, there will be a doubt. There are, there are right now historical events that there are doubts about them. That people argue what really happened there. And wars. And all kinds of things. It's not 100% clear what really took place there. But the Torah, receiving the Torah, it was the most significant moment in the history of this world. That the creator of the world came down to earth and spoke and everybody heard his voice. Something that has never happened before. In public. To individuals, yes. Adam, Noah, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. To individual, Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron, to individual, yes. To millions of people in a live event, first and last time. That's what made Judaism truth and everything else false. You may ask, wait a minute, don't be so arrogant. Judaism, it's true, it's hard to deny it. Millions of people saw it and right away it started to go from generation to generation. But what makes you think that other religions that came later with the story of one man, it's also true. Maybe it's also true. Maybe, uh, maybe Mary really had a dream. Maybe Muhammad really saw the angel Gabriel and he gave him the Quran. Maybe it's not fake. But every person that comes and tells the story is a liar. What is the answer? Let's do a, an honest argument. Every person who comes and says, God spoke to me. They're all crazy. Maybe if a thousand people will come, maybe one of them is real. No chance. It happens to Abraham. It happens to Yitzchak. It happened to Yaakov. It happened to Moshe in a, in a burning bush. So it happened to some people. It's written in the Torah. So maybe it happened to Chris also. Maybe it happened to Muhammad. Maybe it happened to Mr. Lee in China. What makes you so sure it didn't happen? Maybe there's a chance, one to a thousand, that he's not lying. How do you know that Mary lied about her dream? That Muhammad lied about his story with the angel Gabriel? How do you know for sure they lied? How do you know for sure they lied? They say the books are full of mistakes and contradictions. That's true, but it's not... 100% disqualifying them. I can say for the argument that maybe Mary did not lie, maybe it really happened, but the people that wrote the book, they are liars. They added all kinds of fairy tales. But maybe it did happen to her. Maybe the beginning was real. Then later on, people made it up, a fake religion. It's full of mistakes. How do you know it didn't happen to her? Maybe Muhammad really got the Quran, we just lost it. Because the Arabs, they kept copying it differently. There's thousands of different Korans. Everybody add and decrease whatever they wanted. And therefore, this religion is gone. But how do you know? Maybe Muhammad was really a prophet. Maybe the angel really gave him a book from God. How do you know? This book is gone. But maybe it happened. How do you know for sure? You don't have a way to verify it. That means it's a 50-50 story. 
Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen, but there is a chance it happened. I say it never happened. One billion percent it never happened. You say there is a 50-50 chance. 50-50 is not good for me. I want 1,000% to be sure it never happened. How do I know? He's clever. He got the point. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam shakon yamidvaro. Now pay attention for two minutes and you will learn how to argue with people. If somebody ever argue with you. Doesn't matter, Jews, non-Jews, non-believers. Everybody admit that the Torah was given to the Jews in a public event. Muslim, Christian, they even talk about it in their books. So there's no argument about it. Right? Everybody agree the Jews got the Torah. That's why Christians and Muslims admire the 24 books of Judaism and they learn it in their schools. In Arab countries, they learn the Torah. They learn about Ibrahim. They learn about Musa. They learn about Paro in Egypt. They learn all the stories of the Torah. They are aware of it. It's written in the Quran, parts of the Torah. So there's no question about that. In the New Testament, they speak about the Torah a lot. Speak about Moses, they speak about many things that happened. So they are not denying it. They took it as a divine religion. Now they come and they say there is a continuation to the story. Muhammad came and he saw the angel and he gave him the Quran. And Mary had a dream that God came to her in a dream and made her pregnant. And JC was born later on. That's the two claims. Or Buddha came and he claimed he saw the light. That's more or less the three main religions besides Judaism. That's what they claim. The problem is the Torah that all of you signed as a witness that it's the book of God that was given to the Jews in a public event, meaning there's no question about the Torah. No question and no doubt about the Torah. The Torah say, Moshe came to God and God said to him, prepare the nation to around Mount Sinai, nobody climb on a mountain, everybody should be ready, wash your clothes, do not have relationship with a woman three days before, come pure. That, that day I will come down and give you the Torah. That what happened. Then when, when God came to Moshe in a burning bush, he said to him, it's time to take the Jews out of Egypt. Go to Egypt, talk to Paro, Moshe say, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering, I won't be able to talk, send someone else, my brother is older, he should go. There was an argument there. Then Moshe say, anyway they won't believe me. They will say, God never spoke to you. It's a verse. They will not believe me. They will say, God never came to you. Who are you telling stories? You expect us to follow your word based on your story? With no witnesses? Get out of here. Don't you see we work very hard over here? You came to give us headache? Get out of here. The whole thing is crazy. Imagine someone come to all the slaves. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please, may I have your attention? Everybody looks at him. He dressed like a prince. Nice, smooth hands. Never walk a day in his life. Please, please. Five minutes of uh, attention. 
I would like to tell you, your lucky days are coming. I was sent to redeem you from the camps, from Auschwitz, from Bergen-Belsen, from Tramblinka. I'm taking you all out of Egypt soon. Have a little more patience. What I am going to do to the Egyptian empire, you will wait and see. Let's see it would happen to us, God forbid, or to those who were in Auschwitz. One Jew, spoiled Jew, would come with a nice suit and a tie. Gentlemen, it's about to be over. I'm saving all of you soon. Get out of here, you crazy. Get out of here, kill him. People would throw stones at him. Who would take him serious? Anybody would take him serious? Probably not. Moshe is not a fool. He's a very smart man. He said to Hashem, why are you sending me to make a joke out of myself? Anyway, nobody would believe in me. What the answer of God should have been? Be quiet and do what I told you. What are you arguing with me? I told you to go and speak to the nation. Uh, it's about time I'm taking them out of Egypt. Don't you trust me? Just do what I told you. End of story. Moshe would run. That's not what God said. God said, I will take you to the mountain when they're all witnesses and stand around. And I will speak to you in front of them. And after the year that I spoke to you, they will believe in you for eternity. That's the sentence in the Torah. Meaning, Moshe's claim was accepted. Look how we prove it so, so clear. Moshe's claim to God was accepted. He agreed with him. Moshe said, no one would believe me. I'm a, it's a story of one man. Why should they believe me that I'm a prophet? And you spoke to me. God didn't say, it doesn't matter, they believe you, they don't believe you, it's their problem. No. So of course, why should they believe you? You have to be stupid to believe such a story. That's why I'm coming to speak to you in front of all of them, and they will hear me speaking to you. And after that, there will be no more doubts whatsoever. Based on this conversation, how can it be Islam correct? Story of one man came out of nowhere and make a claim. God just told you, I do not want my religion to start with a 99% doubt that somebody come and tell a story and nobody knows if it ever happened or not. Who would agree to follow such a religion? That's why I'm coming out of my way into this world to speak to you for the first and last time in history that the entire nation of Israel will hear it and after that, everyone will follow you for eternity, even the next generations. Same thing, Mary. Why would God come and give another religion which contradicts 99% of the Torah, contradicts everything? Same thing, Islam. Many places it contradicts the Torah. By a woman who went to sleep. Married woman, God is going to come and make her pregnant after he said that it's a death penalty. If someone will be with a married woman, it's the end of him. The end of him. That's it. Your life is finished. You went one time with a married woman. You and her are destroyed for life, for eternity. There's no forgiveness for that. 
If you want to repent for that, you have to go through tons of suffering. Tons of suffering. There's almost, almost, almost no forgiveness for such a sin. It's much, much, much worse than a murder. Much worse to be with a married woman. For her and for the guy. Both of them is death penalty and both of them is a cut for the soul for eternity. That's what's written in the Torah. Unbelievable. Why would God make such a crime? <laughs> After he told you that it's such a horrible crime that is worse than to be a murderer, he's going to come to someone's wife and make her pregnant? That the boy will be mamzer, illegitimate boy? That's how I want to start a religion with an illegitimate, uh, what they call it in English, bastard? What's the right word for it? It's a bad word, no bastard. It's a good word or a bad word? Bad? Not how to say it. So how do you say it in a proper English? Huh? Illegitimate kid. Tough. Kid from, uh, from cheating. Here you go, Rabotai. So from here, Baruch Hashem, you see it's solid like a rock. Now, now, the parasha begins when everybody raised money to build the Mishkan. Mishkan is a temple house for God. What's the difference between Mishkan and Bet HaMikdash? What's the difference? Bet HaMikdash is in a permanent place in Jerusalem, in a mountain, in a Moriah mountain where the Arab built their golden mask. Mishkan is a temporary temple, portable. It moves with them. When they move from place to place in the desert, they take it apart. They come to a new place. God said, now you're going to stay here. They never know until when. Two weeks, two months, six months. No one knows. You have to stay here until another order will come. And you have to get up from here and go to there. 42 steps. They had to go in these 40 years. And what happened? Mishkan, every time they take it apart, they put it back together. Now, the Torah said, that everything I just told you to do in a Mishkan, in a portable temple, you cannot do on Shabbat. Today Shabbat, you're not allowed to create anything for the Mishkan. Now we go over all the steps of what God told Moshe, all the steps to make the Jewish people contribute and build the Mishkan. So, you know how when you buy uh, from uh, Ikea, you buy a closet, it doesn't come ready. You have to put it together. So they give you a piece of paper, and how do you know which piece goes to what piece? Male and female, right? They get connected. How do you know which piece belongs to what piece? They give it letters, A and A, B and B, C and C, right? So they give you this C connect with that C. B with B, A with A. A doesn't connect with C. It won't connect. It's not the right size. That's how you know to connect it. It makes your life easier. Same thing was in a Mishkan. Aleph and Aleph. You, you screw together. Bet and Bet. That's why in Shabbat, you're not allowed to write two letters and up. If you wrote only one letter, it's not that penalty. If you write the second letter, it's death penalty. One letter, it's still not death penalty. You write one more letter, 
They have to execute you for breaking Shabbat. Same thing sewing, same thing painting, same thing cooking, same thing taking the fish, the, the chilazon, which uh, snail, squeezing his blood that it's blue, marvelous blue. Little by little, it's a very hard job. You go, you catch them in the ocean, you have a lot of them, you squeeze the blue blood, when you see he's about to die, you throw him back into the water. You have a barrel and a boat, you throw him you're back into the water, you give him life, he creates new blood. This is how they used to do it. It's a mirage, an artwork. They take little by little, and with this, if you look at the color of it, when they paint the Mishkan, it looks like a beautiful tent with gold, and unbelievable. You, know, you cannot believe the, the beauty of the, not to talk about the Bet HaMikdash, when they finally came to Israel, that was even amaz more amazing. They say when the Babylonians destroyed the first temple, the price of the gold in the world went down 50% in one day. If today gold is 2,000 an ounce, imagine you wake up in the morning, it went down 2,000, it never happened such thing. It's always a process, little by little. Boom! You get up in the morning, went from 2000 to... What happened? They just found an island with 50 tons of gold or 500 tons of gold. Immediately brings the gold price and, oh, there's plenty of gold now. It became like silver. You can get as much as you want. Everything's value goes down. You have a nice Rolex with lots of gold heavy. I don't know, it's worth $10,000, $20,000. Boom! It went down to fifteen. Why? The value of the gold is nothing now. You weighed it. It's not that much. Everything that has gold went down. Gold, jewelry, this, bracelet, everything. This is the way it is. So, they make the Mishkan. Moshe says, none of this is permitted on Shabbat. So from here, we have 39 restrictions of things we're not allowed to do on Shabbat. That's why you can sew on Shabbat. You can paint. You cannot cut. You know, a lot of the things that you're not allowed to do, because Hashem said to Moshe, all these things that I told you how to do the Mishkan, Shabbat, you're not allowed to do it. It's very interesting, because sometimes people come and say, I believe in the Torah. Come on, I'm Bukharian. Where do you find a Bukharian that doesn't believe the Torah is from Hashem? Maybe one out of a thousand. Come on, Rabbi, maybe we're not religious, but we are traditional. My grandfather in Uzbekistan was the Mullah, the, the Rabbi. And the Afghani, and the Persian, and a lot of other ones, and the Mani, and the Moroccan. Everybody comes from rabbis. So they, they may not be religious, but they give respect to a lot of them, no? So then you say to him, what about the oral Torah? Do you believe in the oral Torah also? Oral Torah, the rabbis made it up. I believe in what's written. What people say, I don't know, everybody can say whatever they want. True or false? Not only false, it's the dumbest, most stupid claim that a person ever made in the history of this world. This claim is so stupid. And if a person would sit two hours in my class, learning about Torah Shebaal Peh, he would jump from the window, knowing how stupid his claims was. I'll give you one example. I have an office. You want to come and get a job by me. What are you? Computer engineer. 
I don't know, you develop all kinds of software. So you come to my office and I say to you, hi, nice to meet you. Over here we build artificial intelligence robot, robots. They do all kinds of things. They go to war with remote control. They have cameras. We can bomb. They can shoot. They can jump. That's what we do. You're going to make $200,000 a year. You have to be here at 9 in the morning until 5.30 p.m. Here is your computer. Sit and work. Excuse me, sir. My first day on a job. Do what? What do you want me to do? You have to know by yourself. And by the way, if you're not going to know... I'm not only firing you, I'm throwing you from the window from the 20th floor and you die. I want to see that you know what to do now. Do it or I kill you. If you see such a story, what would you say about me? Definitely the most crazy person in the world, no? Right or wrong? The person would call 911. Excuse me, I came for a job interview. This guy is not normal. Come help me before he kills me. Definitely they will shut my company an hour later and it will be the end of everything, right? So by saying that I don't believe in the oral Torah, you're actually saying that God is worse than the owner of this company. That's what you're really saying. What's the connection? I'll explain. The Torah said to the Jews, you have to keep Shabbat. We saw it in Parashat Kitisa, and the next Shabbat, that's how it starts. Moshe gathered the whole Jewish nation, and he gives them a speech. Most important thing, when you gather millions of people to a speech, the entire nation, like the President of the United States every once in a while, give a speech to the nation. It must be something the most important that he has to say. He's not going to talk about the weather and the dinner he had last night. For that, he does not gather the nation. If he gathers the nation, that means he has an emergency message or something uh, is going to change the life of everyone or the country or a danger or a good thing, something uh, bombastic. So what Moshe speaks about? Shabbat. Anyone who will not keep Shabbat will be put to death. His soul will be cut. He's not a Jew. He's not considered Jew in the eyes of God. He's no shirt to the world to come. That's the speech. You know, see, this coming Shabbat, and we just read it this Shabbat. Brought parashot. So Moshe has a very important message. That's how he starts his communication with the Jewish nation in a public event. Shabbat. Before the Torah comes Shabbat. You should know that. Mechalel Shabbat harei hu kegoi lechol davar. That's the law. That's the law. That's not Rabbi Mizrahi Law or Rabbi Chaimov or Rabbi Ovadia or any other Rabbi or Rabbi Leibovich. That's the law of the creator of the world. Not people's law, the law of the creator of the world. You are with me. First rule of faithfulness is you must keep Shabbat. Without this, you're not mine. You're not my son. You don't belong to my nation. When you die, you cannot even be buried in a Jewish cemetery. That's the law. That's the law of the Torah. Not everybody keeps the laws, but that's the law. You have to see it. Serious. Tough. So now, it says that someone who doesn't keep Shabbat has the worst punishment. And the worst punishment in the afterlife. 
Now show me please in the entire Torah where it teach you all the laws of the Torah. Where? Of the Shabbat. The Torah only say you do not do any one of these 39 restrictions on Shabbat. But all the specific laws, what allowed, what not allowed, does not say it anywhere. So there is no way from the written Torah to know almost anything about Shabbat. There's no way. Impossible. You don't know about sewing. You don't know about writing. You don't know about cutting. You don't know anything. I'll give you another example. Brit Milah. Almost all Jews do Brit Milah to their babies. Even those who scream, I'm an atheist. Imagine an atheist guy. He has a baby and he takes him and he says, I want the whole family to come, take a picture. You ready? Take Caesar, take his ear, eight days old the baby. Cut his ear. Wow, all blood comes out, the baby scream, and everybody sing. Siman Tov, Mazal Tov. What did you just do? Call 911, it's crazy. He's a serial killer. What happened? Why you cut the baby's ear? He's gonna die. What, you crazy? God told me. Now you have to put him in a mental institution. Needles all day. Shots, medicine, put him to sleep, it's dangerous. Put him in a, in a cage, it's not normal. Look what he did to the baby. I never saw in the Brit Milah that an atheist, when he cut a part of his baby's body, he gets arrested. The police should have come and said, excuse me, what did you just do? I cut, uh, I cut a piece from the baby's body. Why did you do such thing? Uh, it's a Jewish uh, law. But you say you don't believe in God. You say the Torah, it's a napkin. Somebody wrote on a napkin to cut the ear of a baby. And you go and do it. You're going to see 25 years in prison. How do you live in such a contradiction? A minute ago, you bragged, Rabbi, I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. Ani ataist. Five minutes later. Baruch ata Hashem. Elokeinu melech alach niso bebrito shel Avraham Avinu. Everybody cry. Mazal to. Five minutes ago ataist. Five minutes later is the Baba Sali. Why? Everyone is a liar almost. By the way, I told you once, I made a deal. So far, nobody showed up. The deal is still on. Every person you bring to me that he claims is an atheist will connect him to a lie detector. And I will prove to you there is now one atheist in the entire world. Anyone you want. From any country you want. You bring him to me, if I prove to you with a lie detector that he's a great believer in God, you give me a hundred bucks. If I can't prove it to you with a lie detector, I'll give you a thousand, ten times more. Fair deal? Yalla. Bring all the people. Bring me all these atheists. I'm going to make millions. Now one of them is an atheist. I told you once what happened to me with an atheist like that. 
I was sitting in a yeshiva teaching Gemara. One person came to me and said, Rabbi, my friend is here in Monsi. My friend is in Monsi. No, why do I care now about your friend? We're in the middle of a Gemara shiur. He said, this friend is a big atheist. Big. For the first and last time in his life, he agreed to speak to a rabbi. It's now or never. Now or never. <laughs> I say to him, we're in the middle of shiur, and look what noise you have in yeshiva, everybody scream. How am I going to speak to him with such an atmosphere? He said, you're right, maybe we should sit outside in a car. I went outside, I sat with him for two hours, the windows are open, it was summer time, I'm sweating like crazy, hot and humid. Then I had a lot of Hasidim, Hasidim are very curious. They see a guy sitting with an atheist guy without a keeper, in a car, screaming, arguing, they want to see the show. One Hasid, another one, another one, another one, another one. Yoili, Kim Du! Itzi, Kim Du! All of a sudden I had an audience. This guy doesn't understand. Why all these Hasidim staring at him like, like we are two monkeys in a cage or something? Anyway, after more than two hours of arguments, I gave him one proof after the other, and not only that, I already saw in his body language that after 10 minutes that he was convinced already. So after two hours I told him, okay, so I think it's time to finish. Did I convince you that the Torah is divine? It can never be written by human being, only by the creator of the world? This guy said, not only you did not convince me, now I know for sure it's not. And I see his entire body is full of lies. But he doesn't want to commit. So he continued with his lie. So I say to him, you know what? If that's the case, I have the Torah in my car. I took the homage. I say, hold it. He holds the Torah. I say, repeat after me a few words and you can go. He said to me, okay. I say, in the name of the writer of this book, he repeats, in the name of the writer of this book, yeah, may all the punishments and all the curses that are written in this book will come on me and my family. Say amen. <laughs> he looked at me. I was totally shocked. Totally. He looked at me. Are you? Did you just curse me? Said, God forbid. I didn't curse you. You said this book is nothing, piece of napkin, no paper. What do you care? It's written over here, all kinds of curses. Hold it and say, in the name of the writer of this book, all the curses will come on me. On me. Say, say it. I won't say it. Say amen. No. Say amen. No. Like this ten times. Yes. No. Yes. Be amen. Say amen. <laughs> After ten times, I was, I was expecting him to just get angry at me, open the car door, and say, get out of here, you're crazy, and leave, right? This, this is how it should have happened. It should have ended. But even I got very, very surprised how it ended. After ten times, that I said, say amen, and he screamed, no, yes, no, be a man, be, you said it's nothing, what are you afraid? Ah, I told him, if Muhammad would come now, and give me the Quran and say, in the name of this book, may all the curses of the Quran will come on you. I would scream, Amen, a thousand times. 
I have no problem, because I know it's nothing. Say, scream, say amen, no. All of a sudden, he started to cry. I was shocked, but not just crying. Rivers of tears came out of his ear, of his eyes. Crying, crying, shaking. You got me, Rabbi. You got me. So why are you making me sweat two hours for nothing? After 10 minutes, I saw from your body language you are more than convinced. The answer is ego. Ego dominant the person. Ego does not let you live kosher life. It always destroyed your decisions. I started to tell you that on Shabbat, I had, you forgot already. I had a guy in my Seudash Lishit, now we have guests for Shabbat. This guy has a long beard. And he asked me, when does Shabbat finish? I said to him, 72 minutes after Shkia. Shkia was a quarter to six. So I told him, about five to seven, something like that. So he said to me, what? Ma? Five to seven? Last week was 6.30. I said, 6.30, maybe in the university. Shabbat finished, not here, not in Monsi. So we begin to argue. So, oh, but I don't keep Rabbeinu Tam. I'm not so fanatic. I said to him, in America, you don't need to be fanatic. You don't wait 72 minutes, you suffek mechalel Shabbat. You want to have every Shabbat a doubt that you mechalel Shabbat? You're willing to take that risk? Now remember, he has the cigarette. In his mind, he's dying to already go to the cigarette. So I said to him, you know what? At 6.30 we will open the window and we'll look up to the sky. You tell me if Shabbat is finished or not. We opened the window, he looked up, not one star, nothing, the sky is blue. I said, look at the trees, look at the sky, look at the trees. Trees and the sky, the sky is completely light compared to the trees. The trees are darker. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, okay, I'll smoke before Arvit. I said to him, no, if you already come to Arvit, Arvit is 15 minutes. You already made it. You can't wait until after Arvit. I said to him, you know why you can't wait? You're so poor. You're so miserable. The cigarette is your master. You are a slave of a cigarette. The cigarette controls your life. You cannot win a cigarette. Look at the cigarette like this. Win you. Control your life. Let's see you control the cigarette. <laughs> Come on, you're driving me crazy. They have an argument. That reminds me, one person came to the, to, the, to the forest and he saw a lot of trees and in each tree there is those circles, you know that people shoot bone and arrow? Bone and arrow, what do you call this target, the round thing, the board? Bullseye. 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 You have bullseyes in every one of the trees. And in the middle of each bullseye, exactly in the center, you have an arrow. That means there is some kind of a hunter living in a forest, Robin Hood, that is such a shooter, he never miss. Every one of his arrows goes into the middle. I wish I will have the merit to meet this hero. He goes around, he found him. 
with his arrows. He said to him, you're the one who shot all these uh, arrows? Say yes. Wow. Can you sign for me your name, <laughs> your autograph? Maybe I'll sell your card for 1.8 million in Sotheby's next year. You're such a perfect, talented guy. But can you tell me the secret? How are you such a shooter? From far you shoot like this and goes right in the middle. He say, yes, I'll tell you, it's very simple. What I do is, first I stick the arrow in a tree, and then I mark the circles. <laughs> What's the story here? What do we learn from such a story? This is how most people in the world are. They first have something, and then they design their life according to their desire. A person that loves cigarettes, whenever the rabbis speak about how horrible it is to smoke, they always argue. Oh, you exaggerate. Cigarettes are good for the stomach. He'll help, he'll help when you go to the bathroom to get out faster. Uh, Rabbi, cigarette is not only bad. I don't know, you're fanatic. It's not such a bad thing. And I say, I say okay, so I go to a different side. I say, but let's say you go on a date. Nice, religious girl, classy, pretty, from a good family. You, you talk to her in a date. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Worse than garlic. What a smell. Sometimes after the lecture, people that smoke, they come to me. Rabbi, I have a question, especially in Israel, almost everyone smoke. You go after the, <laughs> yeah, I have a question. <laughs> you try to run to the other side, another one attack you with these cigarettes. <laughs> he can breathe. So I say to him, now imagine you go on a date, and the girl has to smell it. He said, no, don't worry, I have mint. Refreshing it. Or maybe I find a girl that also smoke. I say to him, come on. A girl that smokes cigarette in public, what is the chance that she will be a righteous, religious, modest, God-fearing girl? Maybe one out of a thousand. Go around, don't believe me. Go, I have enough life experience. How many righteous girls we saw in the street like this? How many? I know it's painful to hear because a lot of women that listen to me now, they smoke. I told one Goya that is uh, dreaming to convert. I told her, step number one, get rid of the cigarettes. She told me, if I get rid of the cigarettes, I'll gain 30, 40 pounds. And I'm not exactly so skinny now. That's going make, to make it maybe worse. So nothing is worse than cigarettes. Get rid of it. It's, no, it's not class. Rabotai, I'm not telling you stories. When I was in eighth grade in Batyam, but Yam in Israel is like Chicago in America. Chicago. It's not exactly Jerusalem or Bnei Brak, if you know what I mean. It's a beach city, there used to be gangs. I went to Betsefer Aleph Daled Gordon. All the schools in Israel are named after a Zionni, Zionist. That's why you don't have uh, boys from Satmer learning there. Gordon, Pinsker, Herzl, that's the names of the schools. So my school in Batyam was right on the border of Jaffa and Batyam, Jaffa. Gordon, 400 students in a, in a school, they have four classes, eighth grade. Each class has about 30, 30 students. 
We had one guy. Remember, we are 13 years old in eighth grade. Barely we had bar mitzvah. There was one guy that started to smoke cigarettes in eighth grade, 13 years old. The entire city of Batyam knew him. Everyone was shaking from him. They looked at him as he a minimum serial killer. I remember my father, Alava Shalom, always warned me, don't go near this guy. Be careful, I warn you. When he comes, go. Don't play with him. Don't talk to him. I don't want you near him. People, parents were petrified. Teachers were shaking from him. When he actually came, when we used to play soccer in recess, he used to come to learn. He wasn't learning, obviously. He used to come. Yes, mishak. Right away, two, three volunteers. Come, come. Gingy, come. Take my place. Why? Everybody wants to run away from him. This was 39 years ago. You do the math. One generation ago. That's it. In a secular school. Now one religious person in a whole school. 400 students. Nobody's religious there. Don't think I'm talking to you about some yeshiva in Bnei Brak. Go find me today a school, 8th grade, that you don't have in each class few smokers. And they come to the teacher. Hey, Itzik. Ten liesh. Let's go smoke outside. I have to talk to you. That's today. One generation later. Father and a son sit in the living room. Abba, taviesh. You have a cigarette for me? No shame. Who would that? To smoke? To smoke? My father said, my father was born in Israel. So he said, the first Mechalelei Shabbat, the first Mechalelei Shabbat started in my days. Now, everyone was religious, everyone. There's no such thing, Mechalelei Shabbat. But there was a war with the Arabs, 1947, and there was a serious problem in Israel. The British just left, the Arabs wanted to kill all of us. 17, 18 years old boys used to go and fight with Menachem Begin, was a big hero. Fighting the Arabs in Ramlin, next to Tel Aviv, Shkunat Tikva, Yafo, Haifa, all these places. Big war. He said to me, on Shabbat, when the kids wanted to smoke, they walked half an hour into the forest to hide a place that nobody walks. Smoke and came back. Who would dare to smoke a cigarette on the street? 1947, and one secular person dared to violate Shabbat in public in the Sephardi neighborhoods of Israel, Tveria, Shkunat Atikva, all these places. That's what happened. One generation later, nothing is left from us. Hashem said to Moshe, go and speak to Bnei Israel. This was after everybody gave machatzita shekel. Machatzita shekel. They don't, besides that, they donated a lot of donations for the Mishkan. Later, they come to Aaron. We just read it two days ago on Shabbat in the parasha. They come to Aaron and say, build us a God. 
Moshe is not coming. Aish Moshe boshesh. Boshesh means he's six hours late already. He told us he's going to come. Six hours passed and didn't come. And they're already sure that Moshe is dead. They come to Aaron and they say, make us a god, meaning a statue. Who else talking here? The Egyptians. The Erev Rav, Moshe converted him on his own without consulting with Hashem. He took these goyim and brought them to be Jewish. Joined them to the Jewish nation. That's why we call today Erev Rav. Erev means something that got mixed into the original. Not something as pure. Erev Rav. They all come to Moshe, in, uh, to Aaron, build us a statue. If not, what's going to happen? They'll kill him. Why? They killed his nephew. Aaron's sister was Miriam. She had a son, Hur. They also came to Hur. And they said to Hur, build us something. Why? We are Egyptians. We always connected to God through the sheep. We need something, like the Christian, they made a statue of JC. We want something to see. We don't want to pray to the question mark that we can see and touch and, and smell and, and, and feel. We want a connection to him through an object. Make for us a God. Aaron is thinking, maybe Moshe is going to come, but until he's going to come, I have to stall them. So what did he say? Go to your wives and ask them to donate their earring and their necklaces, knowing women are, there's nothing a woman loves more than her jewelry. The last thing a woman will give up is her jewelry. Never. You tell her, okay, I want to take your wedding ring with this nice diamond. Give a donation. Rabbi, ma, so greedy. There is one Persian guy I met him when he was 13. Now he's probably 39. He came to the summer for Monsi. Was with us over there. That's how we met his family. His mother is a Persian woman from Great Neck. They used to live in Queens. Now they live in Great Neck. This was uh, 1993, 1994, this story. So I used to work with a rabbi. And uh, she came in front of me. She said to him, look, I don't, we don't have money. Back then, they used to be more poor than today. I don't really have what to donate. I want to give you my wedding ring. She took out the wedding ring with a diamond. And she told him, please sell it and save souls with that. Simple, down-to-earth Persian woman. And he was a little bit embarrassed. He said, no, I can't take this from you. It's your wedding ring. No, 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 what do I need this for? What does it help me? What does it help me? At least you do something with that. You say a few souls, you're going to help me at least. So years later, when her son grew up, I told him, no one is righteous like your mother. Because he used to complain to me how his mother is strict with him about religion, she's fanatic. I said to him, no matter what, you must respect your mother, don't answer her back. She said, why? I said, your mother is one of the most righteous women. How do you know? <laughs> you know, the new generation. I said to him, how many women you know that wants to donate and they don't have money and they give the wedding ring and they're willing to donate it? How many? Show me. Take a thousand women and say, how many would agree to get rid of their diamonds and give it? Very rare. 
and to give it for, for the sake of saving strangers that she doesn't even know who. So Aaron knows asking the women to give their earring and rings and all that, it's an impossible mission. They're going to have to argue with the women. By the time the women will give or not give, at least Moshe will show up. Will show up. By a surprise, the women took off the ring and the earring and all that and right away gave it. How come? How come? You come today to the women. You come to the community. The women of Queens. The women of Lakewood. The women of Great Neck. The women of Monsi. The women of Bnebrak. Anywhere you want. I want all of you to take your earrings and your rings and your necklaces and your bracelet. Put it all here in a basket. We want to sell it and build a shul. Rabbi, my baby is crying. I'll be right back. Uh, Rabbi, my husband is very angry. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi. Uh, maybe two or three of them will, let, will be left. Maybe they don't speak English. <laughs> so they stayed. I don't think they would run all of them, thousands. Take! Take ten carat diamonds. Take Moshe. Hey, Aaron, Aaron, come here. You forgot. I have another ring over here, and I have this, and I have that. Everybody became so generous. To build yeshiva? No. To build a synagogue? No. To save soul? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. To build a golden calf? Where, where? Wait, I have a few more in a safe. Don't go. Why? Why? Yetzerara. Yetzerara. The Satan encouraged you. It's such a good thing you're doing. Amazing. You are amazing. When you want to give to build the yeshiva or to support the yeshiva, you're crazy. You're stupid. The rabbi takes advantage on you. What are you giving money to people who sit all day and learn Gemara? Let them go to work. Your husband work. All days in 47th Street, try to sell watches. Let them also work. Who talks to you in your head? Who? Where this conversation in your head starts? It's called the Satan, the Yetzirah. Everything that is negative, you have great attraction to give money to. Everything that is huge, you have resistance. Remember this. Even when you finally give, you have a pinch in your heart. Wow. How can I give so much? How much you gave? Pa'amayim chai. 36. That's so much? For me? Of course. So what happened over here? They all gave. Aaron is shocked. Not even an hour. They all came back with a huge pile of gold. What am I going to do now? I have a question to ask you. Something in this story does not add up. Let's see who is clever here. Something in this story does not add up. Oh, he said to the men, go to your wives and bring. So the women wanted to give or no? They did not want to give. Who gave in the end? The men. The men had hearing also. 
even though there was no gay parade yet. And they had bracelets and all kinds of necklaces. It was in style. Today, if a person put a bracelet or a ring, it's very, very negative. I don't want to say it's a sin, but it's much negative. Did you ever see, ever, ever in the whole world, any country you go, you go to yeshivot, serious orthodox yeshivot, anyone with rings, earrings, bracelet, nose ring, uh, anything? Did you ever see Bachur Yeshiva like this? You'll never see. You ever saw a rabbi with a necklace? I love New York. <laughs> you don't find it. If you will find, probably is a, a reform rabbi. He may be guarded from his husband for the university. You know, you know what I mean or no? Or from Christine, his wife. Reform, that's what they do. The truth has to be heard. We cannot be politicians and cover the truth to find favor in the eyes of the public. We must say the truth. You want to speak Torah? You scream the truth. Let people spit at you. So what? Beautiful rain. Someone that is not willing to get hurt for the truth will never be a servant of Hashem. Never. Servant of Hashem does not care when people compliment him and tell him you're the greatest. Doesn't do anything to him and does not do anything to him when they curse him and wish him to die. Doesn't, doesn't bother you? No. Rain. Wind. Dogs are barking. In Israel they have a say. Who is Israel here? In Israel they have a say. Aklavim nofchim והשיירה עוברת. You know, when you go camels, donkeys, horses, they pass, and the dogs see a long line of people walking by. What do they do? For hours. They bark, they run, they jump on a fence. So what? הכלבים נופחים, they bark, and we go through. Life goes on. No big deal. So the women don't want to give. See how easy to fool you? I told you the women gave right away. You, you fell for it. Women never give their jewelry. Even for golden calf. <laughs> Why? Because they have a bigger Yetzirah to show off. The Gemara say, a woman should not walk to Reshut Arabim with her jewelry. Why? Her, her friend will come, oh, that's your engagement ring. Mazel tov. Can I try it on? <laughs> of course. She's going to take it out and they walk in the street on Shabbat. You walk four steps with anything in your hand or in your pocket. It's a violation of Shabbat. You just broke Shabbat. Habibi, what do you think? It's a joke. I told you, Michalel Shabbat is the worst thing to do. So you got to be very careful. So that's why don't take it. Why? Because for sure you're going to take it out and show it to her and to her while you're walking. Don't take that risk. Stop. So the men gave their jewelry, Baruch Hashem. Since then, men don't have jewelry. At least one good thing came out of it. They gave all their jewelry. So Aaron now has a pile of jewelry. Something does not add up in a street, in a story. <laughs> Still, something in the story does not add up. 
give you another chance to catch. I will give you a hint, because I don't want to stay until tomorrow. I'll give you a hint. What's the hint? The hint is, when Bnei Israel came out of Egypt, just before all the firstborns in Egypt died, what did God say to them that they have to do? Take all the jewelry and the nice clothes from the Egyptians. And the Torah said that God made the Egyptians like them. Hashem made them find favor in the eyes of their enemies. From here we learn that it's not your beautiful face that makes you charismatic. Hashem gives you a gift, make you charismatic. Sometimes ugly people are charismatic. Sometimes pretty people are not charismatic. Yeah. Unbelievable. One time I spoke to a guy. I don't want to say the word ugly, because ugly for him was maybe a little bit of a compliment. So I don't know how to... Unbelievable. And had so much confidence was telling me about his secular days of how every woman is melting as soon as she sees him. I say either this guy is a real uh, psycho or he's the biggest liar or maybe he's dvarim begor. There's something here I don't see. So I wanted to get a little bit more details out of him. I said to him, no, what do you mean? He said, I used to walk in agalot. You know what agalot means? Says that Siprada, cosmetic, eh, madame, yeah, por favor, come here. Look, I give you a little bit from this cream. Look, look at the mirror. You see all these wrinkles you have? Go like this. Wait, wait, it goes like this. You see, you're 20 years younger. Tube. Wow, unbelievable. Look, I really look 20 years younger. How much? $3,000. Three thousand? It's a little bit too much. Out of my budget. I don't think my husband would like it. Why? Your husband would see you 20 years younger. You should be happy, no? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But they have to give me a little discount. Okay, 2,990. Okay, here is my Amex. She comes home. George! I have a surprise for you! Look at me. What happened? I don't see anything. Look, you don't see I'm 20 years younger. No, by the time he got up, it was already 10 minutes. It's only work for 10 minutes. It's glue. Glue, that's what it is. Regular glue, $1.99 in the store. I'd stretch the face a little bit, and these women... No. Baruch Hashem. That's reality. So I said, you know how many of those I sold? I had a hair blow dryer, special for the hair. I buy it in China for $7. I sell it to Chinese tourists for $300. And he looks like a monkey, this guy. And I say to myself, how is it possible? He said to me, there was not one woman customer that came to my booth without buying. There's no, no such thing. Why? Shem gave him a gift. Look, he doesn't have. 
some kind of charisma, apparently you can argue with success. You cannot argue with success. Huh? Of course, it's all stealing and deceiving. Stealing and deceiving. By the way, you should know, all these people, now they are paying the price for all their deceiving. Corona came, all the malls are closed, they pay rent, and they got wiped out. All, almost all of them. And they are lucky. If it wouldn't happen to them here, they will have to pay for it in the next world. Which is a little bit more serious over there. A little bit more. Tov. So something in a story doesn't add up. Now I give you a big hint. He asks them to bring their earrings and their nose rings and their bracelet and their... What's going on here? No, no. No. So? 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 That's what he said. So? You're very close, but you're missing the point. The, get, the question, what does not add up in the, this transaction? Aaron go and say to them, take off your earring, take off your bracelet, take off your chains, your necklaces, and, go, and bring it. Go to your women, ask for that. They couldn't. So they brought their own. What's going on over here? No, 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 no. You, very, you go around. Not true. Go ahead. True what you say, but that's not the answer. No? Wrong. No, no. You see, in America, the Rebbe would tell you, I hear you. <laughs> in Israel, they go like this. You know? No sugar coating. No, what else? Anyone? Mama? What? And then? Each one of them took donkeys full of gold and jewelry and unlimited of gold. So much gold, silver, everything you can think of. Rubies, bizatayam from the horses that drowned. They had so much, they didn't know what to do with all that. Where did it all go? That they have to run and take their earrings and their, ne and their, and their ring. Aaron should have said to them, go to your donkeys that are full of gold and bring me gold. He didn't say go to your women, take away their earring. Why would they make fight between a husband and wife? Aaron's specialty was to make peace between husband and wife. That's what the Pirkei Avot say. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Avram ruined the whole, the whole lecture tonight. He just threw an atomic bomb on my head. Baruch Hashem. Avram just said, wait a minute. What you're saying here is beautiful, but it's not, uh, it's not connected. Who are these people? Erev Rav. 
They don't have donkeys full of wealth. Remember in one of the lectures I told you they came to Moshe, we waited for you to come. After Yom Kippur, Moshe came down, he went up Rosh Chodesh Elul. 40 days, it's Yom Kippur. He came down with the second commandment. The next day sat in court and there was a huge line of people coming for a trial. Eitro showed up, he said to him, what are, you gonna, what are you doing? You're gonna judge all these people by yourself? And Moshe said, what, what should I do? He said, nominate judges for 10, judges for 100, judges for thousands. Why Moshe didn't know what Eitro told him? Every fool knows it, that you cannot judge a thousand cases a day. He needs Eitro to tell him nominate judges? The answer is because Moshe was the only one who did not take from them any gold. He is the only one who can be the judge. Every other Jew has gold in his hands from them. How am I going to be a judge? I'm, they claim I'm a thief. I took from them gold, borrow, and I never gave it back. The question is, why the Jews borrow the gold and did not pay it back? Isn't it stealing? From here we learn that if you work for your boss one month and your salary is $3,000 a month and he told you, I'm going to pay you every four weeks. When? Monday. Every fourth Monday, I'm paying you. Or every first of a month. The day of the salary came and he said, you are fired. You are fired. Why? I'm not paying you. Get out of here. Come on, I'm not leaving without my money. What are you going to do? Call the police. I'll tell them you are from Guatemala. They'll send you to the immigration, Trump. Put you in a cage. Now they're free. All the Arabs, Baruch Hashem, they took them out of jail. They're all illegal. They're all going to become American citizens. That's Sleepy Joe common sense, and bring another five million radical Muslims to fill up New York, fill up all the Democrat cities. That's the end of us. If we ever had a chance to come out of this mess, in the next four years, it's the end of us. So, very depressing. So, the Arab Rav, they come to Moshe, and they say, we waited for you. You were supposed to give us back the gold. Why are they not giving him back the gold? Your boss fired you. He doesn't want to pay you. So you say, you know what? If you're not paying me, you take the espresso machine. That worth $2,500. So at least I'll sell it. I get back what he owe me. You take it and you run away to your car and he runs after you and you run away. Are you a thief or no? We still owe you money. He is the thief. From the 3000 he owe you, you took from him 2,500. You don't owe him anything. In Shamaim, you a thief? No. The problem is that when things like this happen, the employee will take probably double than what the boss owe him. <laughs> That's why lechatchila, it's not good to do such thing. The Gemara asks, if a person, a judge, make his own judgment, is he allowed or not? Maskana to halacha, if something of this person that owe you money came to your hand naturally, you can keep it. 
You owe me a thousand dollars. Three hundred of your money just came to my hand. So now you owe me seven hundred. No, no, it's, I need the money. I'm sorry. I take it. You owe me still more money. But to go into his territory and break in and take it is not permitted. The question is if a person did it, is he a thief? No. I still owe him money. How can I be a thief if I took for mine? Someone borrow your watch. It's in his drawer. He doesn't want to give it back. You come to his wife, middle of the day. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm sorry. I need to use the bathroom. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I happen to be here. Can I use your bathroom? Of course. Ron, how are you? Yeah, feel free. Comes to the thing, open the drawer, take his watch, put it on his hand, and go out. From the Torah, is a thief? No. It's his watch. Was he allowed to do it? No. No. Do you understand or no? Yeah. Once he did it, it's his. That's it. Good question. <laughs> this, when Elia Wanavi come, added to the list. Anyway, Rabotai, so Erev Rav, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have donkeys full of, uh, but we have a problem, Avram, I'm sorry to disappoint you. For a minute you thought you threw an atomic bomb on me. It's good. The problem is not only the Erev Rav participated in a golden calf. Some Jews clap. Some Jews were dancing also. Yes. The idea was this Egyptian, the Erev Rav. The lefties. Who wanted to make the golden calf? Jack Schumer, Bernie Sanders, Yair Lapid, Avigdor Lieberman, and all the other traders of Hashem. They all gather together a brotherhood of all the wicked people. Let's make a golden... By the way, you should know, about 10 years ago, they repeated this event in a kibbutz in Israel. They actually rebuilt the golden calf and then surrounded all these lefties. This is the God of Israel dancing. They made it on video. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. I want to ask you a question. When you walk by the kibbutz and you see such thing, and let's say you had a, a way to burn it, and it cost them $10,000 to build the stage and everything. You can spill the alcohol and throw in a match and burn the whole thing. And you did it. A, you did a big mitzvah, which you get a huge reward. B, you had no right to do it. You break someone's property. You have to pay them for the damage. Huh? Which one of the two is correct? Huh? A, if you don't burn it, you will be punished. If you see it, you don't, you will be punished. One person asked Rav Zilberstein, my, my roommate... I'm religious, my roommate is a Jew. He buys dirty magazine. They come by mail and he's not sometimes in a room. Am I allowed to throw it to the garbage before he comes back to save his soul? Knowing he paid $12 for it, I don't know, whatever it cost. You must throw it to the garbage. Must. Why? He's about to take poison and die. The poison cost him $5. 
You took the poison and flushed it in the toilet. Now a liberal rabbi came. Shame on you. You gazlan. You stole five dollars from your roommate. So you answer him, shame on you, you fool, liberal. You fool. I just saved his life. You worry about five dollars? That's what we have today here. Everything is opposite. I want to read it to you. In the name of... Who was the biggest rabbi in the last 500 years in the whole world? From the Ariya Kadosh. After the Ariya Kadosh. Huh? Gaon Mivilna. Gaon Mivilna. Gaon Mivilna wrote the Torah in reverse. Reverse. 304,805 letters by memory. His, his brain was super mega computer. In case you don't know, there was an Italian Jewish liberal professor from Padova University. Yes, there were university 200 years ago. He heard that all the Jews say the gown, the gown, the genius, the genius, without a name, the genius, the genius. If you come to a school and they say, who did it? The genius. Who answered the genius? Who is the genius? What are you asking? There's only one genius in the whole world. Everybody knows who he is. You don't need to say who. That's a great honor. If everybody around in the world call you the genius and they don't say your name, Obviously, that means that you're one of a kind, right? Because if there's hundreds like you, they would have to say which genius they're referring to. Ah, wait and see, Rabotai, wait. So the professor came, he said, who is the genius? He said, the Vilna Gaon. Where is he? In Vilna. I have to go see. If all of you call him the genius, he thought he's also a genius, this professor. Let me see who is the religious genius compared to me, the secular one. He went all the way to, remember in those days it was horse. You go with the horse. It wasn't like today, you get on a train or, or a flight. Finally he arrived, he asked, where is the house of the Gaon? He said, right here. He came over there. There was one student there. He said to him, I would like to ask the rabbi I have here important questions to ask him. He said, the rabbis don't have time. He learns non-stop day and night. He said, I came all the way from Italy. Far. He said, too bad. Why did you come? Don't you know he doesn't stop learning Torah a minute? So this professor had an idea. He said, tell him it's a life and risk. The king in Italy <coughs> said that we must answer these questions right away and if we want, it will kill or throw all of us out of the city. Oh, it's life risk of the Jews. Okay, let me ask the rabbi. The rabbi said, tell him to come in. He came in. He was learning, riding with, you know, not the feather, what do you call it? Quill. He was riding and he walked in and the Gaoni Vilna did not look at him. Why? You're not allowed to look in the face of a wicked person. What happens if you walk on the street and you turn, make a turn and who comes to you? 
one of those. And you just looked at him. Oh my gosh, my life is over. Such an abomination. So I have good news for you. For the first second, you don't get punished. But if you stare, continue to stare when you had enough time to turn your face away, that's when you begin to pay the price. Same thing in a picture, by the way. If you have a picture, for instance, they have a picture of Herzl in Israel. Don't look ever in his face. Don't ever look at his face. The most wicked Rasha we had in the last 200 years. Him, Shabtai Tzvi, Moshe Mendelssohn, big Rashaim. Don't look at their face. Even by mistake, you saw it, immediately close your eyes. Why? It damage your soul. Looking in the face of a wicked person make a damage to the soul because connection eye to eye unite the souls. You don't want your holy religious soul to be united with someone like that. Mechalel Shabbat, a thief, a gay, an idol worshiper. You don't want any connection with people. Don't, that's why you don't ever look at their face. And there are big rabbis that never look at their face. You see, they always look inside. Never. So the professor came in. Of course, the government doesn't look at him. Hi, can I help you? And he said, Rabbi, I have 70 very hard questions about philosophy, about life, that I would like you to answer based on Judaism. The rabbi said to him, go ahead, read the questions. The professor began to read, to read, very hard questions, 70, now one or two. Da, 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 da. He said to him like this, go, keep going, keep going. The professor thought, why is making me read now 70 questions? Tell me, read the first one, answer. Read the second one, answer. Read, let me write it. He told him like this, keep going, keep going. So he thought, maybe first one to hear all the questions. Now we're going to go one by one. When he finished to read the 70 question, which took him about half an hour, the Gaon Vilna told him, you ready for the answers? He got the shock of his life. Is the rabbi going to answer me now? He said, yes. You ready? The answer to question 1, 7, 13, 25, 32, go to Isaiah chapter 20, verse 11, to verse 15, that's going to answer all this question. The answer to question 2, 3, question 25, question, uh, question 63, da, 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 I end this, Rashi, Gemara over here, Tosfot over there, Rambam over here, this, the Navi, the Gemara over here, in three minutes, he answered him 70 questions, the professor started to shake. It's, it's unhuman. It's not human. It's not human. He got the shock of his life. Three minutes, 70 questions, gave him sources. <laughs> I am here, read here, read there. Gaon, that you understand who we're talking here about. Let's see what he says about us. He's talking about us, each one of us, include myself. He's talking about our days. This was over 200 years ago. Erev Rav. He's talking about this Erev Rav. The, the Zohar say every generation, these Egyptians that Moshe converted based on his own opinion, they will come back in every generation in Gilgulim, reincarnation. Every generation, they will always torture us from inside. Meaning Jews will be traders, 
will be lefties, Bernie Sander, Schumer, and the rest of these wicked people, in every generation you will have them. But before the Mashiach will come, they will be in full control. They control the Facebook, Zuckerberg. Control uh, Google, another Jew. Control all the newspapers, all the media, all the TV stations, almost all owned by Jews. All of them, one by one, Erev Rav. 90% of the Knesset, Erev Rav, enemies of Hashem, enemies of Israel. 15 lousy, wicked judges sitting in the Supreme Court. Each one of them is the biggest enemy of the Jewish nation. They gave their life to help the Hamas to destroy Israel. They give their life to destroy the yeshivot. They give their life to destroy everything from the Torah as we just saw a few days ago. They now rule that every reform can make anyone he wants Jewish. Give him a note. You Jewish in Israel must recognize it. They do everything they can to destroy the Torah. A regular Jew can never do such thing. Only those Erev Rav. So what the Gaon Nivilna wrote 200 years ago, Rabotai, let me read it to you. You will be shocked. Listen carefully. And he say, Erev Rav, Usonenu achi gadol. Our biggest enemy in the history of the world is not the Nazis, it's not the Arabs, it's not Russia, it's not Stalin, it's not Saddam Hussein, it's not Iran, none of the above. It's not even Hussein Obama. Who is it? These Erev Rav, the liberal lefty Jews. This judge, that one, this gay, the minister of uh, health department used to be a man, became a woman. All these lousy people. Everywhere you go, you have to look at their faces, you have to hear their voice. How can you not vomit? I look at them, I want to vomit, to be honest with you. Feel pchila, just to look at them. Just to look at them, can't look at their face. Sometimes people send pictures, <laughs> you want to vomit when you see this kind of people. Gaon Mivina write about them, listen. It's a gadol. He's the biggest enemy of us. Who am afraid Ben Shnea Meshichin? He's the separation between the Mashiach, the two of them, Mashiach Ben Yosef and Mashiach Ben David. He's as a klipa, like a shell, klipat ha'erev rav work in achizat enayim. It's all like a, like a black magic. Like all from the outside. Hi, how are you? Sitting, a judge. Yes, sir, yes, have a seat. All these fake smiles and all these fake speeches from the outside. Achizat enayim and from behind. They come from behind in the back and they stab you. Therefore, the war against the Erev Rav is the most difficult and most bitter war that we will ever have. More than the war against the Arabs and the Nazis and Iran and everything you ever saw in your life. Worse than Gog and Magog that will come soon. The fight against these liberals, against the enemies of the Torah, against the people who promote gay parade and gay marriage and all kinds and abortions and all these liberals that you see them everywhere 
all these governors and all these people are in charge. We have to be strong. With every bit of our strength in this war. And everyone, everyone that is not fighting actively against the Erev Rav, active to fight all the time against them, like we do here almost every week, we mention them almost in every lecture. Everyone who does not fight and no osek bafoal bamilchama neged ha'erev rav na'asa memeile shutaf leklipat ha'erev rav. If you do not denounce them, you don't fight them, you don't despite them, you are not disgusted by them, you don't want the people from them, you don't fight them in any possible way, you are one of them. The Gaon Vilna, not me. You are one of them. Iye mi sheye, mutav lo, shelo nivra. Doesn't matter who you are, even a rabbi of a congregation. It would be better off for you that you did not come to the world. Why? Because you did not fight these liberal enemies of Hashem. Reform, conservative. Wait, I need to relax. <coughs> so now, since we're back to the question, Avram, so some of these Jews actually supported them and did not stop them. They did not stop them. Why the nation of Israel has to suffer until today? Shevet Levi killed 3,000 of them. 3,000. The ones who made the golden calf and did it all, they all got killed. They all got killed. Shevet Levi took swords and killed them all. Why Shevet Levi? Because Shevet Levi did not participate in a golden calf. Also, Shevet Levi did not take from the Egyptians anything. They didn't take from them. So they are objective. They are killing them because they are idol worshippers and they made a war against God. Not because we want to get rid of them because they want to get their money back. Where is the money of all the Jews? How come they had to take their earrings? They all gave it to the Mishkan. That's unbelievable. They heard that they built the Mishkan for the first time. When was the Mishkan grand opening was? Sunday. Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It's a big day coming up. First time they opened the Mishkan. Rosh Chodesh Nisan. 300 years later, Shlomo HaMelech lived, son of David. He started to build the first temple. After he finished the temple, they made a grand opening. What was the grand opening? The doors don't open. There was very big doors, big, heavy doors. I remember one time I gave a lecture in Safra Shul in Manhattan. 
I came, I came for the first time to that place. I saw two doors, these two doors, probably 10, 20 ton each one of them. It's probably like a few, two, maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 feet, maybe 15 feet tall. Next time I saw such doors was in Europe. When I went to Antwerp, also they have big doors like this. Not as big as the Safra Shul, but also very high. I asked one of the Europeans there, why they have such big doors? He said, oh, these buildings are 400 years old. From the time they used to put the horses here. The horses are tall. Horses, they have to put them in. Horse can jump, something, you have to make a big door. How are you going to make him walk from a door like this? He's going to stand on two. So he used to bring the animals in. It's freezing, it's snowing. So they have old-fashioned buildings in Europe. They have very, very long and tall doors. They now want to build, they want to open the, they want to open the doors of the temple and they can't open. Shlomo is standing, the whole nation dressed nicely, the opening of the temple. The doors are locked, like black magic. So Shlomo say, in the name of uh, Avram Avinu, in the name of Noach, in the name of Yitzchak, in the name of Yaakov, in the name of Yosef, in the name of every one of the Shvatim, that doesn't open. When he came to, the father, to his father David, in the name of my father David, boom, the door got unlocked. Why Hashem did it? David is bigger than Moshe Rabbeinu? Why is it? In the name of Moshe, it's not good enough. Aaron, Avram Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, Yosef Atzadi, they're not good. Only David! There's a reason for it. Every day when you daven in the morning, you say, Mizmor, Shir, Chanukat, Abayit, Ledavid. Aromimcha, Hashem, Kidilitani, Velo Simachta, Oivayli. That's a Mizmor that David HaMelech wrote 3,000 years ago in Tehilim. What's the significance of this Mizmor? Mizmor, Shir, Chanukat, Abayit. Grand opening of the house. I praise you, Hashem. Kidilitani. Mazadilitani, what is it? Took me from a big, deep hole. I was all the way in a dungeon, under the ground, in a hole. Helpless. Kidilitani. Like Dole Maimina Be'er. Velosimachta Oivayli. And you did not make my enemies happy. What's the connection? Three verses here, no connection whatsoever. Grand opening of the temple, temple, Kama. Thank you, God, for taking me from a deep hole, Kama. And you did not make my enemies happy. Can you find connection between those three? What's the connection? The answer is, when David Amelech took Bathsheba, she was the wife of Uriah Hiti. How Bathsheba, she was the Shiduch of David HaMelech from birth. How she ended up in this Uriah Hittis, a convert, wasn't a tzaddik, nothing special. How all of a sudden she ended up with him. She's a big tzaddik at Bathsheba. The answer is when David killed Goliath, 
He took the sword of Goliath, which was big, and chopped his big head. His head was big, giant. It was a giant. He chopped his head off, and in order for him to chop his head off, he needed to take his sword. Regular sword it will take until tomorrow. So he needed a big sword. And Goliath, he had a very big sword, but the knot around it was so complicated that he did not know how to open it. Knot, inside the knot, oh, it will take forever. And we need to chop his head off to come to the Philistines to prove to them that we killed him, that they all surrender and become our servant and pay us taxes. That was the deal. If Goliath killed, the Jews become servants to the Philistines. If David win, the Philistines become slaves to the Jews and they pay them taxes. To avoid bloodsheds, you know, thousands will die. You take your biggest hero, the Philistines say, and we get our best hero, because they knew they had advantage, they had this giant. Which one, what Jew can fight somebody like that? Imagine now you come to Israel. We want to make a fight between United States to Israel. So you choose your greatest boxer, and we bring Mike Tyson. <laughs> now they tell the Israelis, okay, who volunteered to go fight this uh, gorilla? Uh, I have an uh, exam tomorrow. My mother don't feel good. I just got corona. Everyone will find an excuse, right? Who has the guts to stand in front of him and get one punch? He takes your head fly all the way to Tel Aviv. Did you see how he killed people with his boxing? It's crazy. Nobody will dare to show up. The Philistines, no. no nobody will fight Goliath. He's going to step with his, head, with his leg on his head of the Jew. He will smash it to the ground. So we for sure will win. Here David Amelech, small, nice, cute, curls. He showed up with a slingshot. It's called in Hebrew, Rugatka. Probably not an Hebrew word. Russian word, Rugatka. There's only one problem. Goliath has a helmet made out of steel. Protect his forehead, protect his ears, everything. David knows, in order for me to kill him in one shot, I have to take one stone, stretch it, and shoot right between his eyes, right here. You hit him here, you kill him on the spot. Big, boom. But how will I do it? He has a helmet. David Amelech said, the holy names of Kabbalah to the angel that is in charge of steel in the world. Everything material as an angel is in charge of this territory. Angel of water, angel of this, angel of that. If you let my, my stone goes into his forehead through the steel, I will make a decree now that from now on you don't make Brit Milah with a, with a stone. They used to take a stone, make it very sharp, and that's how they used to cut. Take a very sharp stone. I change it. From now on, we're going to make Brit Milah with steel, with metal. Shot it. Boom. Went right into his head. He fell dead on the floor. Now you have to take the sword out to chop his head off. David Amelech was so happy. You know, when a person is happy, he speaks a lot. And half of what he says is nonsense. I've seen it today with my own eyes. Someone that was very sad for a long time got an amazing news finally after weeks of uh, nerve. You know, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And... They were so happy that they started to talk, 
טוק, 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 בטוק so much שטויות. Just to talk. Why the happiness explode now? You gotta say something. Some people run on the street. You know how people scream and run, yeah. So now David is very happy. He just killed him and the whole Jewish nation saved. Said the one that will chop, the one that will release the sword will be given the best Jewish girl on earth to be his wife. Tzadik gozer HaKadosh Baruch Hu mekayem. Tzadik says such thing, Hashem has to follow. Who came? Uriah Achiti. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'll open it. Well, how is he going to open it? He's the one who made the nut. He was the servant of Goliath. Before, he knows how to make the nut. Open it up, took the sword out. Here is David, chop his head off. The nation of Israel got saved. Who became his wife? Batsheva, the Shiduch of David. Hashem took his Shiduch and gave it to him. You became a god? You already made zivugim? You for him? You for her? Oh, a new God came to town. David Amelech. Your Shiduch goes to him. She's the best. You will say it with your own mouth. Tov. One day, David Amelech sits by his window. He looks at the roof of the next building. He sees a gorgeous woman going up to hang the laundry, whatever. His heart came out. When you go on a date with your real Shiduch, you know right away, 20 minutes into the day, that's it. That's the one. The heart comes out. There's two half of Neshamot. Two half. Just unite. Right away you see it. As soon as he saw his Shiduch, his heart came out. Right away fell in love with her. The problem, she's married to this Uriah Hiti. However, there was in the middle of a war. And Uriah Hiti was a soldier. And when the soldiers go to the war, what do they give the wife? Yes. A get. A written get. If I don't come by this date, this gate goes into effect, you can go and marry anyone you want. Why? If, if I'll be missing, nobody will ever find me. I'll be in some prison. She'll, she won't be able to ever get remarried. So every soldier give a get to their wives. Unless if they are Kohen. If it's a Kohen, he cannot give a get to his wife because he cannot get remarried. He can't get. There's a big arguments between the poskim how the get was. Was it effective immediately? And when we come back, we have to get remarried? Oh, it's a conditional get. If I don't come by this date, then from this date and on, this get goes into effect. There's all kinds of conditions in Gitin, Kiddushin. One way or the other, Uriah Chiti gave her a get. She's a free woman. But nobody knows. Everybody knows she belongs to Uriah Chiti. David Amelech take her, make her pregnant. Uriah Chiti come from the war, get the shock of his life. What? It was a very big, very big embarrassment. Everybody knows she's your wife. Now you were for months away and now she's pregnant. Right away, David, to avoid an embarrassment, sent people to call him. Come quickly, don't make noise to avoid Chilul Hashem. But he did not want to come. He rebelled. When the king gives you an order and you rebel, the Torah says you must be put to death. Must be executed. 
David Amelech needed to kill him, but he has a big conflict here. If I will kill him and marry his wife, how people would look at me ever as a, as a righteous man? They say, look at him, he killed her and stole his wife and made, and made kids with, a kid with her? This is going to be a rabbi? Forget about it. So he knew it. So what did he do? He sent him again to the war, but he put him in the first row. And then that's how he got killed and got rid of him. And he took Bathsheba and that's the end of it. In the meantime, you know how people are. They have big Yetzirara and Lashonara. Everybody talks like birds. Non-stop. You heard what David did? You're not going to believe it. What? He sent Uriah to die and now he married his wife. This is our big holy rabbi. No, no. What do you think? People came to him. David! Someone went with a married woman. What's his punishment? Remember what I told you? The worst punishment. Death, terrible karet. David Amelech said, if he will do tshuva, he will have a share to the world to come. But someone that speaks Lashon Ara, it's equal to idol worshipping. Murder, Giluya Rayot, Shfichud Damim, Vavodazara, three war sins. In the meantime, David feels horrible. Hashem sends him the prophet. The prophet gives him a mashal, a parable. Tell me somebody had a field, it was poor, the rich man took his last sheep. What do you think? David Amelech says, someone like this does not deserve to live. Ben Mavetu. Then Avi told him, you are the one. Right away, I'm sorry, I committed a sin. I want to repent. The Gemara said, David said, I'm going to become an idol worshiper. Like we say today, I will join Jews for J.C. Penny. Let me join a cult. You're the holiest person in the world. You want to join the idol worshippers? What's wrong with you? Why did, he wa why did he want to do such thing? Who would want to do such thing? The answer is, I know that Hashem will punish me for what I did. If he will kill me, people would say, some people still think I'm the most righteous person in the world. If I will die, they will say, where is the justice that somebody so righteous died? Let me worship idol. Everybody would look at me like I'm wicked. That when Hashem killed me for what I did before, no one will have a pity on me and questions about Hashem. One of his chachamim, holy chachamim, came, Chushai Arki, if I remember correctly, his name was... He came to him and said, don't dare to do such thing. Avodazara has the war. Okay. In the end, he convinced him not to do it. He was willing to lose his olam haba, to lose his world to come, to protect the reputation of Hashem. That no one will say, how did God kill such a, a righteous person? Because he felt guilty about what he did. Anyway, he did. So now David said to Hashem, please clean my reputation in my lifetime. Hashem said to him, I will not clean your reputation in your lifetime, but I will clear your reputation in the life of your son Shlomo. 
And when did Hashem clean the reputation of David? The day when they opened the, the door of the Bet HaMikdash. When David said the names of all the tzaddikim, the door did not open. When he said the name of David, the door opened up. And all the people who used to make fun of David, ah, it's nothing, it's nothing. You call him a rabbi? He went with a married woman, come on, enough is enough. When he said the name of David, the door opened up and everybody got silent. They got the shock of their life. This is what he wrote in the Tehilim. Mizror Shir Chanukat Abayit. This song is for the grand opening of the house of Hashem. Aromimcha Hashem kidilitani. I praise you Hashem, I thank you that you took me out of my deep hole where I was in the darkness. Dilitani is the word delet. Dor, delet. Dilitani. How are you dilitani? How you took me out of the hole? When the delet opened, dilitani. Ki dilitani velo All my enemies that were so happy and joy, they got the shock of their life. They realized their mistake and my reputation got completely cleaned. Ki dilitani velo This is by the way the mizmor we say in Hanukkah. And also when we light candles. We will finish here Bezrat Hashem. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock in Brooklyn, I will continue. I have a lot more things to talk about. As always, the time ran out. Bezrat Hashem. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen. Please download my app. Amazing app. We have, we're going to have soon live broadcast through the app. We're going to have downloads. We're going to have some audios. It's going to be amazing. We keep making upgrades. There's already an upgrade this week in, in iPhones. And there's going to be an upgrade in Android in the next few days. Must download the app. As long as it's available in the App Store, download it. We don't know if it's going to be there forever. They may take it off. The lefties. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Hanani, Rabbi Akashia, Omer.